Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. Was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I have known Giada De Laurentiis for such a long time. I'm not sure how I was first introduced to her. Either I was doing her makeup for something or just at one of those events or at probably behind the scenes at the Today Show. And we've kind of kept in touch and I've been following her and watching all these different things that she has been doing. I'm a really big fan. I, my dream is to just have dinner with her at her house when she's cooking, but which, you know, hopefully will happen one day, but I'm just so interested in this new business she has and how she's, you know, kind of doing the shift. So I'm looking forward to my conversation with Giada De Laurentiis. Hey, look at you. Hi. What a cute hat. Oh, well, I have to because otherwise it's just a lady what? who gives me my blow drives has COVID. So she was like, I can't give you a blow drive COVID. I thought, okay, well, then Bobby's going to get me with my curly hair and my hat. Well, first of all, I don't even think you realize how good your hair looks. I don't think you need blowouts. Like your hair looks <laughs> all like, no, it looks done. So what have you done to your hair today? 
I have put a curling iron in it a little bit because okay. it's frizzy. It's very uh -huh. humid here in Los Angeles as it was yeah. in New York when I was there two days ago. Um, okay. So it gets frizzy, you know? And I think yeah. honestly, Bobby, as we get older, we color our hair and, you know, we have people doing our hair all the time and all that stuff. It just gets the natural yeah. curl kind of, it's just age, you know? No, no, no. But also there's so many products that you could put in your hair that kind of tame the frizz. Cause I'm all about like low maintenance. Like, you know, I don't know about you, but I get these invitations to go to these dinners and I'm like, I'm not going if I have to get a blowout. I I'm just not going. Yeah. But you can put your hair back a certain way because no, of the shape you of your head. No, because what? I have a different shape head than you. It Yours is long this way. So it looks good to pull back. Mine is wide with a big jawline. So it almost makes like more of a, bo I already have a bobblehead, but then I get like a giant bobblehead. Oh, come on. Well, just go like that. We're not on TV. We're on a podcast. Just put your hair back. I would like to see your bobblehead. You're, you're out of your friggin' mind. But Bobby, I've had people put, do memes of me because I have a little oh. body with a big giant head. Oh my God. And I could take off with these wings pretty soon. You know, I could fly to New York and see you with these wings. Oh my God. But you know what? First of all, the people that are doing the memes have nothing else to do with their, <laughs> yeah. with their time. But to me, you're just the cutest little thing. And we're, we're both the exact same height, I think. I know. We are. Little people. Yeah. <laughs> with, lots of, with lots of fire in us. <laughs> yeah. Don't you think that, do you think that had anything to do with making you so passionate about what you do? Oh, absolutely. My grandfather was little, smaller than me, and he had so much energy and fire and everything in him that it just, I feel like yeah. I got that from him, you know? Now, you come from this big De Laurentiis family, which is like food and movies. Was your grandfather in the biz? Yeah, so my grandfather was Dino De Laurentiis. So he oh, your made- other uncle. Okay, that was your grandpa, Oh. No, my grandfather, my mother's father. Um, so my grandfather came to the States in the seven, early 70s, as we all did, because we followed him. And my grandfather has made over 600 movies in 60 years. Now, he's been dead maybe 15 years now. He died at wow. 93, but he did a lot in that meantime. And my grandmother was Miss Rome, and then they were they were partners, so she would star in his movies, so she became a huge movie star, and he would produce the movies. Wow. So they became like this powerhouse together. Wow. I mean, first of all, what an upbringing, what, you know, what, what you had to look at. I look at my papa, Sam, came from Russia and ended up, you know, a car dealer. Uh, you know, he was a big car dealer in Chicago, papa, Sam, and he was five, two. So, uh, you know, I come from a similar, a Jewish line, you come from the Italian line. So you yes, had better very Catholic. Yeah, you very had better Catholic food. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You definitely had better food, but um, yeah. So Well, I guess that's a matter of opinion. But yes, uh, and my grandfather's mother and father had a pasta factory in Naples before World War II. So he and his seven siblings would go door to door outside of Naples in Torrenunciata and sell their mother's pasta and sauces. Yeah. And so that's how he became a great salesman, which is why everybody always said, um, although he made some great movies and he, he won Oscars for them, what have you, uh, and they're in the zeitgeist, but he really could sell you anything, Bobby. He could send you, he could sell you a lump of coal and you would think you just got 
a bag of gold. Like it was uh-huh. a gift to be able uh-huh. to be able to do that. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, no, it's amazing. Like when you stop and think about who you are now and where you came from and, you know, what gifts you're giving to your daughter. So how old is your daughter now? Cause she was always this little girl and I know she's not anymore. <laughs> she's 14. Wow. Um, yeah. And she is an avid lover of all things, uh, musical theater. So she is uh-huh. currently in a musical theater camp in upstate New York in the Catskills where oh. I just dropped her. Uh, mm-hmm. first time away from, uh, her parents for like four weeks, which is crazy, uh-huh. but, um, she's very independent. Um, she loves makeup, Bobby. So she loves all of your stuff, all your Jones Road stuff. She plays uh-huh. with makeup all day. I think that's something a lot of girls her age are really into. Um, right. and, uh, it's really, it's really fun to watch her sort of become her own person. You know, she yeah. doesn't like to cook by the way. Okay. She doesn't. Interesting. No. She did when she was younger and it all switched at about 11. Right, okay. But she likes to eat your food. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> do you cook, well, do you cook every night? Yeah, I do. But, and she used to love my food more. I think now she's just more into, uh, you know, her packaged foods or just junk. I think it's, I sometimes think it is hormonal. And then I sometimes think it's her way of trying to separate herself from her mother. And that is kind of forge her own path. Yeah, I think that is that. See, I grew up with a very glamorous mother with like, you know, sprayed hair and so much makeup. And I just found my comfort level being, you know, me, which is not a lot of makeup. And, you know, though I do love a good hair color and blowout, I am like, I feel my most comfortable when I'm just like not overdone. But funny enough, you built a giant makeup brand. Isn't that like, I mean, it's just so fascinating. Right. But if you think about like my, the first makeup brand, which, you know, is very different what I'm doing now, but the concept of who I am and how I think of beauty is the same. That I think that makeup is a way to just enhance and make you feel better about what you look like. You don't have to be all that, you know, like over made up hidden faces. So I like natural. Yeah, I like natural too. Um, I think it's harder sometimes these days as you get older. And I think that being on camera, natural's awesome. If you have a certain, if you've been given something wonderful to work with from, you know, your family and your genetics, sometimes, it gets harder as you get older to not wear a lot of makeup. And I think we've also changed the way we look at beauty. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's been a lovely road. And I think what you're doing with Jones Road and kind of changing, I don't know the perception because I know my daughter just, she loves these makeups that have so much pigment, but they're so incredibly toxic. And I keep telling her like, you started an early, early age with, a bucket, right? And then we spend our whole life filling this bucket with all sorts of toxins. And whether or not your body can detox, some bodies are great at detoxing, some bodies mm-hmm. aren't. And depending on where you fall in that, uh, in that sort of path, if you start early just poisoning, poisoning, right. poisoning day in and day out by the time you're my age. Yeah, but I wouldn't worry about it. If you think about it, I didn't know what clean was. I didn't know what organic was. I mean, I don't know how many years I've been eating organic and grass fed and all that stuff. Like we grew up on, you know, I'm older than you are. I grew up on packaged, terrible food, but 
But I find, you know, right now, I, what I put in my body is really important. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts hey guys this is paris hilton trapped in treatment is back and this season we're taking on wasp they held us in dog cages they starved us they beat us they 
burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do you eat? Like, what's your modality? Well, I didn't grow up on packaged food, which is probably one of the reasons that I, I'm on my daughter all the time. But, you know, it's funny because her father says the same thing. He's from Michigan. He's like, I ate junk and I'm totally fine. I'm like, yeah, almost 60 years ago. The world that my daughter lives in is not the world that you lived in or that he lived in or that I even lived in. We, we are yeah. all, we're living in a totally different in my opinion, much more toxic world. Um, and generation after generation, our level that we can consume of toxicity has heightened, but our bodies haven't like been able to sort of modulate and deal with that. So I think for her right now, it's actually worse than what you went through or he went through or I went through. I um, always ate, my, my parents cooked. I mean, it, it is sort of the Italian tradition. My, my parents and my whole family, my grandfather, nobody believed in buying um, prepackaged foods. In fact, I remember when I started Everyday Italian on Food Network 25 years ago, my grandfather was like, how could you tell them that it's okay to open a jar of tomato sauce? They mm. should be making the sauce from scratch. It is not okay. You are prescribing to an American way that is not okay. And I'm like, yeah, but I just want them to cook and right. I'll get there. Once they trust, I'll get there. But I got to start with ease. I got to right. take sort of the, um, the, 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 the sense that people had from Italian food that was, we went out to eat. You know, you go out to eat Italian food. You do not make it at home. And so I wanted to change that, that perception. And I felt that if you make it easier for them, little by little baby steps, you'll get to the point where they're okay with that. So my parents cooked every meal. 
And that's how I learned to cook. My grandfather cooked everything, even pizza from pizza dough from scratch. Nothing was pre-done. They also brought, um, they would import a lot of ingredients from families and friends or put in their suitcase when they would come home because the Italian ingredients, the way that we know them today, and I don't know, even Walmart has prosciutto was not, not existent when I was a right. kid. So we would import yeah. everything. And that's how I, that's how I ate. And honestly, Bobby, I didn't have a hamburger from McDonald's until I was in my twenties. And when I did, my body did not like it. I'm, I'm an ultra sensitive person uh, in all ways. And so food is very critical for me in the way I feel. So I have to be careful um, and eat small meals and, you know, be careful with, with what I'm eating and where it comes from. So I don't really eat packaged foods. I can't, not because I don't want to, but because I won't feel well for days. Now, as I've gotten older, it used to be a couple of hours. Now it's like dates to recuperate. So well, let's, yeah, talk, talk to me about that. Cause you know, I was going to ask you when I travel to Italy and I eat, I'm in the mood for pasta. I order pasta. I have some wine. It's fine. I'm here. I can't really eat pasta or wine because I'm not going to feel good the next day. So why? why? What is wrong with this country? Well, there's nothing wrong with this country. Let's start there. It's just the way that we, our relationship with food and ingredients is just different. I mean, if you have to think about the way that America came to be, people escaped, right? Like your grandfather left Russia because he wanted a better life. He wanted to pursue his religious beliefs. He wanted all of these things he could not do in his own country, right? So the idea of the migration is that we are going to be able to buy meat, number one. We're gonna have more of ingredients, number two. So more, more of everything. And we're gonna make it so everybody can eat all these things. Unlike mm -hmm. where we came from, where only people who had a lot of money could buy these ingredients and everybody else ate vegetables and whatever they could grow. Mm -hmm. So that mentality turned into, we're going to have chicken farms and we're going to feed them antibiotics so they don't get sick and we're going to make them grow as fast as we can so that businesses like McDonald's can grow um, and feed everybody. And I think the intention was a good one. It was not a bad intention. The intention was good. It's just over time, what happens? Yeah. We ingest a lot of things that we're not prepared to do or break down or detox. And then we have, you know, digestive problems, gastroenterology problems, brain problems, diseases, viruses, like it just, but it happens over many years, right? 50 years probably or more um, for things to change. And in Italy, you know, yes, do we have fast food? Absolutely. We do. It's the Western way of thinking and the American way has definitely penetrated those countries, but we still, as a culture, really revere our land, our relationship with the soil and our land, and the way we harvest and the way we eat. So for Italians, meals are really important. They really are. Right. And it's important to eat dinner together, lunch together. Uh, we source really well. We buy locally. These things are sort of ingrained in our culture in a way that it's not possible. You can't, you can't expect Americans to have had to believe in that because that's not part of the culture of people who came here, right? But I think we can, we're working towards that and I think people are a lot better now at, um, at reading labels and understanding what they're eating and the way they feel being in tune with their bodies. Like, hey, I don't feel so good. I just ate that giant pizza with bacon and everything else, I'm not feeling so good tomorrow. I might not do that. Or I might have a slice and not the whole pizza. Or I have two and not. So I think people are getting better and they're being more, um, they're yeah. more cognizant of what's happening. 
And that's can really pasta like every night if you felt like it. In Italy, I can. Yes. Here, no. But what if you buy the? What if you bring over the same pasta? So that's what I've started. That's what I've started doing with Jodzi, which I started about six years ago. And now I've started an e-commerce portion of it because it was just a content website first. Yeah. So I'm going to, I want to know all about that. I want to know, you know, so many things. So, so since you already started it, tell me about this new business. So this new business is an e-commerce direct to consumer business. And basically what I've, what I've started to do is just bring in curated, really, really high level uh, products that are super clean and that have, um, and that, so yes, I can, you know, I can buy, I can now eat the pasta from the family who made pasta on the same street as my grandfather in Naples. Like they still make it and source it the exact same way. You know, the thing with pasta is, is that um, when it's um, manufactured at these very high levels to keep up with demand, right? Because that's what it is. Um, the the pasta, the sourcing of the actual flour, you know, a lot of our flour in the, all over the world, really, but really in this country is rotten. Yeah. And because it is, when you make food with it, then it has dire consequences on your digestive system. So the way they source the ingredients to make the pasta, the way they cut it, they also don't make a ton of it because they can't. The old way of cutting pasta and the dyes and the bronze dyes and all that are changed. They can't mass produce the way that you can with plastic. And so all of those things uh, make a difference in the way you can um, you know, digest things. So that's why in Italy, you can drink the wine, less pesticides. Right. They're not yeah. always organic the way we see it, but they are biodynamic and they don't right. use pesticides the way we do. Um, right. And so I've started to source tomatoes, um, all sorts of pastas, ingredients, all herbs, all that stuff, and importing it through Jodzi from Italy and allowing consumers to be able to buy what they like, olive oils, balsamic vinegars, things that they can trust that are good and clean and you can eat that stuff and still feel good. That's the whole point. You know, I did it with my restaurant in Vegas. I've done yeah. it with my cookbooks. Hmm. That's the goal. Yeah. So I've, I've, I remember seeing some news report. I don't know if it was 60 minutes or something that olive oil is actually not really, you know, hundred percent olive oil. It's like bad oil. I mean, is that true? And is there a, just a different way to source good olive oil? That's really hundred percent olive oil. Well, that's a, that's a giant generalization. Uh, I guess that's like saying all makeup brands are toxic, right? Well, that's probably not true depending on which one you're talking about. So are many perceived olive oils on regular store shelves um, laced with other oils? Yes. Usually seed oils, canola oils, vegetable oils. That's the filler, right? So they can make more money. Um, So you have to read ingredient labels if you care. You really have to because by design, you know, the health department and the FDA does make them write certain ingredients in there. Now you have to be smart about it because once companies uh, get fined for stuff like that, they just change names around. So you kind of have to stay on top of things. But yeah, yeah, pure olive oil is number one, very expensive. Number two, it should come when you buy olive oil in a dark container, right? Because olive oil, mm-hmm. like many many nuts and seed oils, they go rancid very quickly, if not protected from sun. 
right? So there's a, those are a couple things to look for. DOP is really um, something that, you know, you could look for, which says that they have gone through a whole process and passed and gotten a stamp of approval that they are true olive oil. Now, the oil and olives come from all over, they can be sourced from all over the world. So they're not always from just one region, um, just because we don't have enough, because people love olive oil. But yes, many, but not all, have mm -hmm. other oils as fillers. And do you cook with the same oil that you put on your salad or is that a separate oil? Um, there are a couple of uh, olive oils, depending on how strong they are, um, that I cook with or I just finish with. Um, mm -hmm. You know, olive oil, you can cook with it, but um, you got to be careful because it has a lower heat point. Um, so it starts to turn a little bit a little bit more carcinogenic when heated to high levels. So avocado oil is really great if you can get your hands on it. That's a better one to cook with because it um, has a lower set point so you can heat it up more um, mm -hmm. and be okay. So right. that's usually what I do. The, the oil I stay away from is canola oil. That one I really, yeah. and vegetable oil. Those oils are just, I just Nothing. cannot Hey, you know what? if you can tolerate them, yeah, they're inflammatory, but if you can tolerate them and detox them, great. I cannot, so I stay away from them. Well, I love that you have taken your love of food and turned it into this new platform of health and wellness. And, you know, I, I use your book that came out last year. You have some really great recipes in there. So thank you for that. But just in general, when you kind of came onto like the stage, you were one of the first female chefs that you know kind of captured everyone's heart and attention do you think that you were like you know a a pioneer in, in the middle of an all boys club well there were a few of us that started i think rachel ray myself and ina garden all kind of started at the same time we have different philosophies for sure uh the way we went about cooking but i think we all started and um at the same time i think for me it's my family stories that really capture people. And the fact that people love Italian food and they really, really wanted to be able to make it at home. You know, for, for Food Network and for me in particular, um, and maybe the other ladies, but you'd have to ask them, 9-11 changed everything for us. It really did. And I know that sometimes that sounds a little odd, but 9-11 changed the perspective Americans had of family mm -hmm. and food and home. And so people started cooking at home more than going out. And that changed the landscape. It blew Food Network up. It blew people like myself up, Rachel Ray, Ina Garden, yeah. even the guys. It really, it changed the perspective and the mentality. The way that I think COVID has changed the way people see health and wellness for themselves. Right. It's opened their eyes. They've, they've been able to be like, oh, this is important stuff. I think that right. was what 9-11. And, and I think that the stars kind of converged and things switched and perspectives mm -hmm. switched and- right that's what really uh, helped me mm. to get to where I am today. And also my family stories, without my family and the stories and all the, all the recipes, this would never have happened. And you're so frigging cute on whatever you do. It's like, okay, I mean, honestly, you know, I mean, the beauty is- but Bobby, is it took me a long time to get people to trust me because I look a certain way. Right, yeah. Because I'm not no, a skinny cook or I'm not what you traditionally would see as an Italian cook. You're a skinny cook. You are a skinny cook. You're like a- No, I said, I know I'm saying that most people said to me, you can't trust you know, a skinny uh, cook, especially making Italian food. You just can't because mm -hmm. they wanted to see a grandma 
Yeah. And I get it. I totally get it. So it took me a really long time to get people to trust me. But once I did, yeah, you just got to, you know, keep going at it. Well, how do you keep yourself skinny? Do you not taste all the things you cook? I mean, do you like, did you change your way of eating? I mean, people must forever be asking you like, Giada, what are you doing? You're not eating the same stuff that I struggle with. So what, like, what do you oh, do? Yeah. Number one, ask question. How do you stay yeah. thin and eat all of that Italian food? Yeah. And I, I always say the same thing. I eat a little bit of everything and I don't eat a lot of anything. So right. yes, do I eat pasta? I do. Do I eat it every day? I do not. Do I eat a lot of it when I eat it? I do not. Uh, I really come from the school of smaller plates. You mm -hmm. know, I don't eat from those giant dinner plates because you just want to fill it and then you eat it all. So I don't do that. I didn't grow up that way. So to me, it's a different right. way of eating. Also genetics, mm -hmm. my mother's tiny. My mother is, right. she's tinier than me. You know, four kids right. later and she's tinier than me. And my culture is not one, Italians and French and a lot of people, a lot of uh, European cultures, we don't eat a lot of food. We eat yeah. several meals a day, but we don't eat a lot of food. And when we eat it, we eat it with friends. We don't just sit over the, over the, <clears throat> over the stove or over the sink and eat. It's not like, a, you know, you've been, people who have traveled know when they go to Europe, how long are the stores closed for lunch? Mm -hmm. Right. Probably yeah. Two hours. Right. They don't yeah. like, it's not a 20 minute, like eat your, eat your food in the back, you know, yeah. and in 20 minutes, get your butt back on the floor and start right. selling or work. We don't have that. It's a different mentality. And I grew up that way. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a little bit of all that stuff. And I work out. Yeah. What do you do? What do you, what's well, your I workout? I used to do a lot of cardio. I was like a slave to all the machines and all that stuff. Nowadays, I can't do quite as much anymore of that. Um, so I do a lot of yoga. I do that five days a week, which I really like strength training, which is really good for me since I'm yeah. little. And um, I like to paddle, like paddle mm -hmm. surf on the, on the ocean since I live by the, by the water. And um, I walk a lot, a lot, mm -hmm. not run, but walk. I think yeah. for me, moderate exercise, you know, like 30 minutes a day, five days a week is yeah. better than like two hours, three times a week. I just can't, I can't recoup from it. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts danielle moody here host of the woke af daily podcast we've been with iheart's outspoken network for a year and what a year it has been Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on 
you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, you've been in the public eye for how many years? How many years? I don't know, 25? Yeah, yeah I mean, like you know, I've known you since I think I was, you know, <laughs> starting a long time ago. And, you know, and I've, and I've heard you kind of deal with some criticism and you always have such a positive, you know, uh, attitude. And I know there was like some famous clip about, you know, on Ellen that Nicole Kidman said something that she yeah. didn't like something. How did that feel and, you, and how did you react? Well, I think, you know, <laughs> I think I learned early on um, that television is very unpredictable. And I also, I think after a while of being in this business, you become a little bit um, hardened to criticism. I, I, I've gotten more criticism than I think a lot of people. And I think it's because I disrupt the way people think about food, Italian food. And, you know, I think just my thoughts around it all is so different than the way that we have thought of Italian food and Italian people for so long. And I think that sometimes in life, when you go against the grain, you're going to get a lot more backlash. It's just the way it is. And I think I just got used to it. And when mm -hmm. it came to Nicole Kidman, who I was, I'm a big fan of, um, and I actually, I was a big fan of Ellen too. She was always lovely, but I always knew that it was unpredictable and it wasn't about my food. It never was about the food. It was about the fun. Right. Nobody cares. Today's show, all those, they don't care about food, which is really hard when that's what you're trying to sell. Right. They just want the audience to have fun. So if you can have fun with it and you can go off script and you can take the criticism, you know, that, that made me more famous than any decent, wow. uh, you know, cooking demo I've ever done in my life. And that's yeah. where I have to see that. It's just, it's not about that. It's about me being able to be entertaining and you can, you gotta be able to laugh at yourself. And I just learned over time that that's what it took. And I think, I guess I am okay with it. I will tell you, my daughter was horrified, horrified. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I told her, I go, it's, you can't take this stuff personally. If you do, you just can't be in this business. That's just the way it is. You know, yeah. you gotta be, yeah. and you gotta be persistent. And I guess, yeah. but I'm not going to lie, Bobby, and tell you it didn't hurt. When I left, I was just, but she did apologize. Nicole Kidman then reached out and apologized and was like, Hey, I'm sorry. These things, sometimes there's no script and I'm just kind of like ad-libbing. And, and I said, get, I get it. The focaccia sucked because it sat for like eight uh -huh. hours before we ever did the demo. And she's like, I didn't know that though. I thought you just made it. I said, I understand. It's fine. Yeah. And you know what? I guess she learned, she learned something from that. And, you know, I guess people just like, because we all experience things. And when someone that we admire on TV has something, you kind of feel like, all right, I'm not the only one. So. Right. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's okay. Are you also, yeah. And are you also um, opening up a catering company? Did I read that correctly? Is that yeah. 
I'm doing that too. I'm doing these things simultaneously. I felt like, you know, I'm you're worse than I am. By the way. You're worse than <laughs> yeah. me. I'm a lunatic. You're, you're an uber lunatic. I love, that's what I love about you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, I'm turning 52 and I was like, okay, I gotta like, I, I'm one of those people that needs to change. I feel like every seven years I'm like, I'm gotta change. I gotta do something different. So yeah, so I'm also doing a catering company, which is how I started. So I feel like it's not that much of a departure, right? I started as a caterer and then somehow landed on television and I want to go back there. And I feel like that is, I've always wanted to be uh, a caterer in Los Angeles and throughout, you know, really the US. I feel like it's a great way for me to connect with people and show them my food, my culture, the sort of the feel of what it was, what it's like to have, um, you know, a, a, a Malfi t a meal on al fresco meal in a Malfi and recreate that for them. Or, a, you know, a Tuscan sort of in the middle of a vineyard. A lot of people can't do that all the time. And I feel like I can do that for them and bring my show to life in a cater in the world of catering. That's a little different than a restaurant. And are you, are you bringing like a content crew with you as you're working this job? Is that like part of it? Yeah, I'm working on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. It's like, it's just so nutty what has happened. I mean, you know, in our industry, because I'm an entrepreneur like you are, and I've started a new business, which is completely different than it was, you know, 30 years ago when I started sure. the first one. And it's like, you know, it's just crazy. It's honestly just crazy. So I can't wait to watch, you know, what happens to tell me again, the name of your, your site. Jodzy. It G-I-A-D-Z-Y, Jodzy. It's, um, a nickname that my family had for me uh, from when I was very young. So uh, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. being, I have, I have a couple more questions. The first question is more self-serving for me. Since you're teeny like I am, what are your favorite jeans and t-shirts and, and blazers? Have you found anything that really works on us little girls? Forget blazers. I don't, I can't wear them. I have I know this sounds weird, but I have really short limbs, like arms and legs. And so arms, yeah. short arms, and I have boobs. So it doesn't really work with a blazer. I feel really? like you need long boobs. arms. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I have, I don't think I have long arms and I've got boobs and I look my you may have long. You may have longer arms than me. I just don't, I have a long torso, right? I have a short so if, Yeah. And I have a long torso. So imagine how it cuts my body. Blazers are just not made for my body. And I've tried every, all of them. It makes um, you I, look leaner. That's why I wear it. Yeah, it doesn't make me look leaner. Well, and I've tried yeah. expensive ones and cheap ones and everything in the middle and nothing seems to really work for me. Unless right. it's a super, super light material, then maybe I can get away with it. Otherwise, structured blazers, eh-eh. <laughs> um, okay. And how about bras? Wait, how about bras since we're going right. deep? I mean, since you have it, you know, I have a chest too and I've worked really hard on finding my favorite bra. Uh, I will tell you that my stylist and I have bra wars all the time. I have, yeah. th I could take you to see my bra, my bra drawer. It's thousands of bras because I can't find one that works with everything. They yeah. come out in certain sections. It doesn't quite, it doesn't, it cuts me. It like bras, honestly, Bobby, I'm going to be completely honest. Maybe this is TMI. I should just have a boob job because maybe that would just alleviate all of the bra wars I have with myself every day. It is so hard to find a bra for a woman who does not have implants. It's really okay. freaking hard. Really I don't hard. have implants. I don't have implants. I've got a big chest. And I did have a reduction years ago because I was having really bad neck issues. You know, after three kids, it's like 
So it was the best thing I ever did, but I still have, you know, a big enough boobs. My favorite bras, and I'm really embarrassed because they're very expensive, but they're unbelievable. They're, they're Erez. I don't even know if I say that name right. Yeah. Or yes, because I like a bra that lifts and separates and is round and just, you know, you look like, I mean, I, what I really want is Jennifer Aniston boobs. In a Me, too. Me too. Me right. too. So, so I think that that's what I look like in my t-shirt, but I probably don't. So <laughs> I, no, I really only, yeah, I only buy Erez bathing suits ever. Right. I do not buy any other bathing suit because I've tried a million and they just don't work. But that fabric, and I've never yeah. tried their Erez bras, but I'm now I'm going to try them because of you, Bobby. Yeah. I just love their bathing suits. They look great. They hold just enough. It's like, and that's like. They last for so many years because they're such good quality. They're a little expensive, right. but they're great. They're you'll expensive. They're definitely love, expensive. I think you'll love the bras. You know, I, I like the underwire. So, okay. I so like the underwire was, too. Uh, we can't I, not do underwire because otherwise they, they yeah. sag. <laughs> it's just, I'm sorry, but that's what happens. But you're only 52. I'm 65. So, you know, I got, I got a, little, a little on you. All right. So go ahead on your jeans and your t-shirts. My jeans, um, God, I have a million different jeans. Um, I have from Madewell high-waisted jeans to, um, to Givenchy jeans. It kind of like runs the gamut. In fact, in my closet, I have a ton. Um, I would say I also have Mother, which I really like. Uh You know, they're stretchy and they really, they're great for travel and all that. Um, and what else do I love, love? Rag and Bone low-waisted. I like those a lot. Um, But for me, jeans are, again, a struggle. Uh, I can't, you know, I I have to be very careful to not follow the fashion all the time because it just doesn't always look good on me because I have short legs. Um, So that's jeans. And then, and I have all different colors, um, but I only have one white and one cream. I don't buy a lot of those colors. And I don't actually, don't buy colors. I just buy different versions of blue and different versions of black. No other right. colored jeans because it looks like hell on this body. And my, my favorite jeans are Levi's. And sometimes I buy the petites and they just fit me. I like Levi's, but I have a problem with the waist sometimes because I am, um, I have such a long waist. So they hit me like where my, where my, they cut uh, a little bit too much sometimes. So it's, it's tricky. The belly yeah. is a trick. It's a tricky thing, but you know, I, I don't know. It's probably going to get worse as I get older. So I work on it a lot, but. Yeah. Us yeah. Italian yeah. girls, we got boobs and we got a little belly. Us Jewish girls, yeah, us too, us too. Yeah. So it is what it you is. Have, you have been so full of so many good, like, you know, tidbits. I can't wait to go on your site and see everything. But there's one question I ask everyone. So uh, okay. I, know, I know people are going to be like glued to this, listening to you. Oh, if no. there's one piece of advice from Giada that someone listening could just do to, you know, that's going to change something in their life, what would it be? What's your advice? That's going to change something in their life? Yeah, something. The course of their life, the course of their day, something. I think that the one of the biggest lessons, other than drinking a lot of water, like drink uh-huh. lots and lots and lots of water, as much as you can possibly drink, um, I would say accepting who you are. And I think for a long time, I tried to be who everybody else wanted me to be, whether it was my family or my fans or whatever. And as I, in my mid forties and 
yeah, in my mid forties, in the last five or six years, I've said, you know what, I'm okay with who I am, regardless of what people think of me. And I'm okay with the choices that I've made. They have, they all been wonderful and perfect. No, but they've made me who I am and sort of made peace with everything Mm -hmm. that's happened in my life, with my divorce, with anything that's happened. I've just, I have made peace with the mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I feel a lot calmer about myself um, and I've had better relationships um, Mm -hmm. in the last, I think, eight years than I did when I was younger because I worked too hard at pleasing other people. And now I try to please myself, my daughter, and that's it. Maybe my animals, and that's it. Oh, see, there, there is some good things about getting older. That is a wonderful thing about getting older, yes. There's also a downside, but that's with everything, right? There's a downside to being young, too. So it's so good to see you, and I look forward to when I get to see you again. You know, it's just so great you're doing this, Bobby. And it's, um, I don't know, you're, you know, someone I look up to. So Aww. I hope I you will don't... have the energy to do all the things that, I, that you do um, Well, as well, I get older. That's all. Yes. And maybe one day we'll get to do something together. So I would um, love it. Good all luck with everything. You too. Thank you. Bye. You too. Thanks for listening. Follow us on social at the Important Things Podcast on Instagram and just Bobby Brown on TikTok. See you guys next time. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. 
she's breathing. Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.